With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Welcome to another Sacred Cow Barbecue. I'm your host, Patricia Aiken, and it's Tuesday, March 10th, and I'm excited to do a follow-up call. Usually we have so many different kinds of things to talk about here on Sacred Cow Barbecue, so many cows to slaughter that I don't have an opportunity to do this. So this is a follow-up call to... Uh, last week's show was Dave Merlin, which was outstanding. And if you didn't, if you're not a regular listener and you didn't have a chance to hear that last week, I highly recommend you run over the archives and hear that show, because the guest today is someone who actually used Dave Merlin's arguments before a grand jury. So I'm very happy to wel- Chris, welcome Chris Chapman to Sacred Cow Barbecue. How are you, Chris? Pretty good. How are you doing? Can I'm, we hear each other okay? Yeah, I think you you sound loud and clear to me. You sound good. Okay. Okay, terrific. Listen, um, you, you, you uh, t- tell me first of all before we get started on this grand jury situation, and um, and what you learned from Dave. But talk to me how you woke up. When when was it not America? You know, mom and apple pie. Well, um, can I can I just give a disclaimer on my on my position first? Oh no, that... no, I called the IRS already. They're listening. Okay, well, good. Then the the information that you are about to hear in this call is to uh, to help people understand what I understood in, from the beginning to the end, which we haven't gotten to the end yet. But after ten days of uh, after this call, and you are required to notify me through American liberties in writing of any word, phrase, or reference or statement which is inaccurate, incorrect, or misleading, and not in full compliance with state and federal law to give American liberties and me 30 days to correct and cure the alleged potential flaw. American liberties' intent is to be in strict compliance with the law at all times. Okay, now to answer your question. I love that disclaimer. You got to send me a copy of that. <laughs> okay. In in um in 19 well prior to 1988, I was um I've been in the swimming pool construction, you know, working as a um, a swimming pool guy in the hall all the time uh from about 1964. And then in 1983, my family and I uh, moved up to Cocoa, Florida, where I started my own business. Then in 1988, I visited a friend of mine down in Fort Lauderdale, uh, to, uh, just to, you know, to visit him. And we were talking. We were sitting in in the kitchen, and he had a book, The Pilot Connection, and I was coming through it and he says and he raised his right hand he says I'm an alien to that nation and and I didn't have a clue what he was talking about because at the time I was just a ticket paying tax paying type guy you know and I didn't know anything about the Federal Reserve System about the government 
or anything. I was just like, you know, one of these uh, Americans today that are out there just doing their thing and thinking that everything is okay, that the government is going to take care of me. All I have to do is comply with, with the law. Right, and uh, so, you know, lots of people still think that. Yeah, they do. And, and so with that being said, I could, you know, he explained to me about what he was saying and, uh, and everything. And I said, well, <clears throat> and his name was Rod. And, uh, and I said, well, Rod, I said, probably, you know, I will be, um, sending you cigarettes in jail, you know, and I kind of <laughs> laughed at him and so forth. And so I got my car and I headed back to Coco. Well, about two weeks later, ironically, somebody gave me a tape of a guy that was, uh, it was kind of like a pay it forward type thing. You know, you give him the tape, he gives you a couple bucks and, and you can duplicate the tape and give it out as many people. And you, you know, and you get two bucks, a little way to make a little income and so forth. Cause don't forget the internet wasn't around then. And so, and we were passing information with tape cassettes and buying tape cassettes from these groups and so forth. So I listened to this, uh, uh, Howard Friedman was the, the, uh, the guy on, on the tape doing the presentation about the federal reserve system. He was doing a presentation about the IRS and, and how, and what the revolution was really started over. And I had, I literally had to pull over and listen to this tape after the first pass through because I couldn't believe what I was hearing. And I was hearing all this for the first time. And so I sat and I listened and I took notes and, and so forth. And I said, I got to check this out, even though that I know what the guy was saying was right on point, not knowing anything what he was really talking about, but he did it in such a way and he had such a convincing voice, I knew that this guy knew what he was talking about and I had to find out more because it was a life-changing experience from that moment on. Then I went back to my office and my office was in Palm Bay and right a few blocks away was a... Uh, a college that had a, um, uh, a federal law library. And so it was, it was unique in a fashion because I could go over there and at, you know, different parts of the day and start looking. Well, this is back in, now this is in 1988. And then about 19, I say around 1991, Rod, who I, you know, first introduced me to this, um, came up and started working for me. He was uh, he's probably one of the best salespeople I've had, and uh, all he had to do was learn the pool business, and which wasn't really hard to do. And then, but the IRS was after him, and so he was doing all this Patriot stuff. In the meantime, I started joining groups like Eddie Kane, uh, uh, at at the time it wasn't ARL, uh, I forget what it was, but Eddie Kane's group and Save the Patriot with John Kottmeyer, uh, you know, and, and other groups all around the nation. I used to travel pretty much. Now, Chris, back then, yeah. how did you join them? 
Well, they they were having uh, conference calls and they were passing out tapes and videotapes and stuff like that. Okay, so it wasn't like joining a group on Skype or something, right? Okay. Right, right. It wasn't. No, it wasn't. Um, you know, the internet wasn't uh, perfected then. Although in ninety, I think in ninety three, we started getting um, uh, perfection where you know we we had emails and and stuff like that, and that started happening. But most of it was by mail and phone calls. Ah. So so then uh, <clears throat> so then the IRS summons uh, Raj to the, uh, to a court hearing for books and records, and we would go down to Fort Lauderdale and and do our thing, and, uh, and I would go with them, and and so forth, and, and we had a lot of fun. But to make a long story short, on that part. I couldn't send them cigarettes because they wouldn't allow cigarettes in jail. Oh. So, um, but it, after six weeks, we finally got him out. He he stood on he stood on his position that you know he didn't have to give his books and records standing on the Fifth Amendment. And right, that's testifying against yourself. Yeah, and um, and and the judge wasn't going to hear it, and then the. Uh, and then what happened is uh, we had his wife look into the records to find out what's going on, and we found a letter that was purposely, intentionally sent to a wrong address. Now, for years, they had Rod's correct address. They didn't have any problems in contacting him and mailing him. But on an important document that was court-related, it was funny that they had the wrong address to a wrong city. Oh, we, so, I, I've seen this ploy before. They're still using yeah. it. It worked then, works now. Yep. And so it's important to check the records at all times, even if you can on a daily basis, in, if you're in a court situation. These are little tidbits that you make notes of and you learn as, as you go along. So, so what happened is that uh, we showed the judge the letter, and before the sun fell, he was out of jail and, and free to go. And they never bothered him anymore. But in in the interim, I went out to uh, Utah and, to, and and got with a guy that I, I met through other sources and got into asset protection, and I set everything up in in. Uh, protection because if anything that I notice when the IRS comes after you they first take your money so you can't hire or uh, fund yourself to defend yourself they, right. they cut they your legs you, off right away that's right they they want you broke destitute and where where you gotta you know surrender and so, uh, so I got an asset protection right right away and set myself up. And this was in '93, uh, and then in '95, and still, you know, letter passing back and forth to save the Patriots and Eddie Kane, depending on who I used at at the time for certain letters. Um, I would have them, you know, they would respond. And 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 they, of course I've always had copies of whatever they sent and whatever of course whatever I signed. And excuse me, I got a cough. I'll be right back. Okay. Oh, we'll be here. Hey, everybody! You're listening to uh, Sacred Cow Barbecue on Revolution Radio. This is FreedomSlips.com. We are listener and volunteer supported. 
So if you're a regular listener, we'd like to encourage you to go over to freedomslips.com and uh, make a donation. Uh, any amount helps. And um, keep this on Great Station on the Air. There's also a way you can listen um, on um, uh, on the phone now. You can just call in 24 hours a day, 716-748-0112 for Studio B. Number again is 716-748-0112. You can also listen to Studio A at 712-432-6958. So um, there's all kinds of things you can do at freedomslips.com. You can sign up for the archives every month. You can um, there's merchandise you can you can purchase that supports the radio, or just make a flat out donation to us. We'd appreciate it. Keep okay. keep, keep everything going. You back with us, Chris? You gonna live? Yes, yeah. yeah. Okay. So um, so what happened is, um, uh, you know, I would go to the law library and look up all the codes and regulations and so forth. And I used to travel back down to Fort Lauderdale once a week and go to the law class. This guy. Um, a uh, pretty sharp guy, Terry Ingram, out of Fort Lauderdale. Uh, he had a, uh, a student uh, uh, a class in Palm, Palm Beach one, once a week, and and I learned a lot from him. And then uh, and then fast forwarding on to about 1995. We won't fast forward that far, but uh, 95. Uh, the IRS came to my office and they had a subpoena to do books and records of Chapman Pools Incorporation. Well, uh, little did, did they know a couple of years beforehand, I had, you know, did the asset protection and I gave up all the assets and I became manager of the unincorporated business organization. And I kept it, I kept the corporation live because I didn't want the competition to think, you know, Chapman Pools Incorporation went out of business but on the other hand, you know, it was just an empty shell. So since the summons wanted to do books and records on um, Chapman Pools Incorporation, I gave them the old corporate docs, and then they came out about 10 minutes later wanting to know what kind of game I'm playing. <laughs> and and I told them, I said, well, I'm just a manager of this company. I don't own it. And, you know, I don't own the company anymore. And they said, well, we want to do uh, a search on that. And I said, well, your subpoena doesn't uh, qualify that. However, because I'm a nice guy, let me call my trustee. So I called my trustee. He talked to the IRS. And a few minutes later, the trustee called me back and said, go ahead and let him audit the company, you know, the books. I said, okay. So they spent a week. At the end of the week, they came back, and uh, they came back, uh, uh, two of them. They, you know, uh, they always come in pairs because they, they want a witness. And they said, um, well, your books and records are in order. And uh, and he said, but, you know, we don't see where you filed the 1040. Now, you know, stop right there. What's the 1040? My 1040 got to do with anything on books and records of a company. Absolutely nothing. The reason they wanted, and this is important for listeners to understand what asset protection is all about. If, if whatever you own, if you're a president of a corporation and you hold a stock, then, and, and it's a corporation, then they can take all the assets out of the corporation of the amount of interest of stock that you own. 
If you're 100% owner, they can take 100%. If you're 30% owner, they can take 30%. And don't you think they can't? Corporations cannot protect you. And so, but on a trust, on the other hand, is like I sell, I, I own the 7-Eleven store and I sell it. And then they say, hey, you know how to run the store. Why don't you be a manager and we'll pay you? I said, okay, that's great. Now I don't own it. I'm just the manager. Even though I'm a signee on the, on the bank account, they can't take one penny of that money because it doesn't belong to me. And, and that's very important because that's why they come and do uh, audits on companies. They want to find out what you own. They could care less, and they want to see how much assets you got to see if it's going to pay the alleged debt. Yeah, so they can so, get into asset forfeiture. Yeah. So then, um, so uh, I, I said, other than that, is there any other questions you have? And they said, no. I said, well, thank you very much. And they're going, but, 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 and I just showed them the door because I'm not answering any of their questions. I have nothing to do with them. My anytime they ever ask me any questions, where is your delegation of authority to even speak to me? That's what I want to know, you know, because I don't see. And I used to run down now prior. Now, in 93 is the year that I quit filing. I, I, I didn't mention I failed to mention that in 1988 when I started learning about this in 93, I felt I had enough information to make an informed decision that the the tax code didn't apply to me. And so with that going forward, you know, this is what happened. And then they used to call me down and for, you know, to show books and records and all this and I would bring a a case or a folder or, or something and they and I said, I'm here and I've always brought a court reporter with me. And I always put it in transcript and make copies of it, and then sent it to the agents to change any of the uh, documentation, you know, because it can be used against them at, at a later period. And of course, they never responded, and so forth. It became fact in law. This is what happened. This is what they said, and they and they didn't produce any. Uh, they didn't cure any defects or protest right. anything. Nope, not a thing. And then, um, and and that went on through from 95 going on to around 2000. Then I sold my company in in 96 and I started and I was a, a consultant and salesperson for uh, uh, two or three different companies at the same time. I like to stay busy. And, and with that, I... Um, I warned them that, you know, I'm not a taxpayer. I'm not going to give you a social security number. I'm not going to fill out a W-9 or any of that stuff. But here's an affidavit that you can ask, uh, I mean, that you can sign and send it to the IRS. And the affidavit in point is saying that you did ask me and I refused. And you and you send this to the IRS and that will eliminate you from a, a fine of $50, I think today is 75 So, and, and they said, well, great. And then I educated them even more. I said, in several, 
it could be in several months or or, or so, you're going to get a letter stating take you know 30% out of my paycheck and or they want to levy my check. And this is what you're going to do. This is how you're going to handle it because this is what the law says. They're not following the law. It's not about taxes. It's all about extortion. So then fast-forwarding now to around 2004, uh, I started getting criminally investigated. I get a knock on the door one one day. Well, I got a letter. I got a letter from uh, uh, a DOJ saying, hey, your case has been turned over to us. You, uh, it looks like you could be su- subject to criminal prosecution. Uh, if you want to come and meet with us, you know, to see how you want to handle this, that'd be great and so forth. And, um, and I just kind of ignored that letter. And, uh, and why did you ignore it? Well, because I didn't want to talk to them. You know, I said, you know, yeah, that was a, had, they were kind of asking you to contract with them. Well, yeah, I mean, yeah, you could say that. I, I don't really, uh, it is a contract in form, but I don't really subscribe that we're contracting because, I mean, I'm talking to you, and, and so that means we contracted to do do this radio show, but it's not really a contract because I'm not getting paid, I'm not getting, you know, numerated, and, and neither, neither are right. you, and so, but we agree to that, you know, that, that we're going to talk to each other and, and talk to other people. So um, even if I did go and talk to him, it really wouldn't mean anything other than I would ask him first, by, by any chance, did the IRS show you its delegation of authority? But I knew the outcome of that, and there was no sense in me waste, wasting my time. I just had to prepare for a grand jury. That's all. I mean, that was my that was my cue to know that you know more is coming. Mm-hmm. So then, I get a le- I get a knock on the door one morning, <clears throat> and it happened to be uh, two agents, uh, Agent Solar and Agent Lewis, and um, and I was I had a robe around a towel around me because I just got out of the shower. And I said, and they said, can we come in? I said, of course not. Yeah. But I said, but but if you come back in about 15 minutes, I'll meet you outside. And they said, okay. So then I got dressed and everything, and um, I got my tape recorder, and I went outside because I couldn't get my court reporter there in time. And uh, so a tape recorder was, is the best next friend because. I tape it, then give it to the transcriber. They transcribe it. I send it to the agent to to acknowledge or deny. And if he doesn't deny, then he he admits that everything is true and, and as written, and um, and so forth. And so when he came back, he said, "Well, you can't record me." I said, "Well, we can't have this conversation then, because I mean, I'm recording it, or or, or we don't have a conversation." I said, well, okay, you can record it. And um, he said, but I got to get my... Chris, I recommend that with everyone. Anytime you have anything to do with anyone, especially CPS, you need to record it and you need to have a witness. You need to, you know, people need to have a network of people that they can call that can be right at their home and and be able to be a witness to whatever happens. That's what I recommend. 
And if you can't get a witness, your recorder, then take it to a, a court reporter, make sure you get their names, and you have your name, the time and the date, and then you give it you give it to the transcriber, they transcribe it, seal it as you know, uh, as a court document, and that can be used as as testimony in a in a hearing. Right. Okay? So it's very important. And so, so, uh, so then uh, he said, "Well, I gotta get my uh, recorder and my batteries low. I gotta run and get batteries." And pretty much, I think he just went and called his supervisor and said, "You know, the guy's giving us a hard time." So hold on, I gotta cough just a second. Hold on. Sure, no worries. Everybody, you're listening to uh, Sacred Cow Barbecue today with uh, Chris Chapman, who used Dave Merlin's. Uh, information and he's getting to that part of the story pretty soon with it with the grand jury and we're going to find out what happens so uh stay with us and uh chris has just taken a, a quick call he's got a got a handle here let me know when you're back chris okay okay here you and, go uh, yeah i gotta get uh i'm gonna <clears throat> okay i got a, i got a tickle throat and man it just tickles me sometimes <laughs> the uh um so uh, okay, so you got so the, the agents yeah, are there. They've agreed to let you record them. Yeah, and so he asked me. He said, "You know, we uh, we're here investigating you, and we want to, uh, you know, yeah, I don't know what he said." And I said, "Well, before we get started, started, may I see your delegation of authority?" And that kind of threw him off the road. And he said, well, what do you mean? I said, well, you got to have a delegate. I'm not going to explain the law to him. I'm not going to explain that, you know, the Congress has delegation, gives them uh, delegation of authority through statutes or whatever. Does he or does he not have any delegation of authority? Even if it's from his superior, go see Chris Chapman. Is that... Are you relying that on your authority? And if so, give it to me so I can challenge that. But he couldn't give me anything to challenge. So I said, well, we can't have a conversation. I don't know who you are. And he says, are you saying we can't be in Florida? I said, no, you can be in Florida. You can be anywhere you like. I, 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 that's not the point. And, I, and I'm not going to explain it all to you if you don't know. So he says, uh, and so we, we wound up talking a little bit, but no information per se. I said, I've been asking for delegation of authority for months, and, and everybody wants to run from, from giving it to me, but, but they want to throw pamphlets at me and all all this garbage. And he said, well, we through, we look through your file. We see that you you know your question's been answered plenty of times. I said, great. Well, let me see it. And he said, well, if I make copies of it and send it to you, would that be acceptable? I said, sure. So it took him about two months, and he sent me every single document they ever sent me. Not one document that I sent them, but everything that they sent me. It was the same old garbage. So I took it, I I drove it all the way back to Orlando to him, and dropped dropped it off, and 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 uh, with a um, you know void or refused for cause or something because it, it wasn't what I wanted. Yeah. And so later he called. He you know then he calls me, 
And he says, "Are you recording me?" And I said, "I, I said, of course I am." <laughs> and he said, "And he said, turn it up." I said, "Of course not." <laughs> and uh, and 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 he and so he started asking questions. And uh, you know, I mean, you know, I I just don't do what they want me to do. They have no authority, or at least they haven't shown me authority. So then, so then. Um, now fast forwarding a little bit, this is over a period of years. They, you know, they they went to the people that I work for, and um, and I said, give them anything you want, okay? You you don't you don't get in the middle. You're scared. I'm not. Don't worry about it. Whatever you give them, I can handle it. Don't worry about it. So they gave them, you know, the you know copies of checks that I that they you know paid me with and all this. And Chris, and Chris there's, there's no way most people would rather take a beating with a stick than than deal with the IRS. Yeah, they're they're they're. I mean, they're, they're the most feared organization in history. I mean, they're they're, they're tyrannical, and so the. Uh, uh, but you see. People are afraid of the IRS, and the IRS is not the problem. It's the agent. You got to challenge the agent. Don't challenge the IRS. The IRS is a piece of paper. It's a, it's it's an agency. Okay, the one that's responsible is the one that's talking to you, and and if he can't, if he doesn't know why he's there, he's like you know. He's like a an atheist and a Jehovah Witness that rings a doorbell and when it, and when they enter it, the guy doesn't know why he's there. You know, <laughs> he he's just clueless. All right, and so this is what happens when when uh, an agent comes if he doesn't know any facts or ev- or have any evidence that you're you're subject and liable to attacks, he has nowhere to go. He doesn't have any delegation of authority. He has no, um, he has nothing. And then, then comes along in 2005, uh, 2006, the early part of 2006. I thank God every day for meeting Dave Maryland. Because I was there. I wasn't like a lot of the people show me the law, but I was I was kind of neutral, you know. Hey, I'd be glad to pay all taxes and sub, you know I'll I'll write a check right here and now. This is when I have money. Yeah. I said I'll I'll be glad to write a check right here and now if you tell me how much I owe and give me your delegation of authority. And they would show me their badge. I said your badge ain't delegation of authority. I'm sorry, that ain't gonna cut it. And so, when I, so then um, I met Dave, and after talking to Dave about 15 minutes, I knew I had to get on the right track. I was on the right train, but on the wrong track. And his track was posture, you know. If and I say it like this: if you can't prove what I can prove that you can't prove, then you're the criminal. <laughs> say that again. <laughs> it, if you can't prove what I can prove that you can't prove, you're the criminal. And because he he had a conclusion of law. This is the law. This is how the law operates. And he goes through the statutory construction. He goes through, I mean, he goes through every element. 
that leads up to the final end that they're criminals. Yeah. Period. It's not about taxes. It's all about extortion. Racketeering. The racketeering. And, and, it, and it couldn't be any plainer. Now, in the, this was in early 2006 when I met him. By May of 2006, I became a joiner. I believe I was one of the first joiners. And we sent it on to Congress. Okay, now people, not only, now people that heard the show last week know what you're talking about, but people may be new and miss that. So why don't you tell them what joining is about? Well, joining is, he, he did a, a, a 181 or 180-page criminal complaint, not a lawsuit. People get this confused. It's not a lawsuit. It's a complaint. And and he goes and he has different tabs and issues. And and he goes through and he goes through it thoroughly. I mean, it, it is unbelievable. And, and in all the years and all the groups that I've been in and all the associations that I have, and I put none down, but I lift David up above them because David is right on point. You know, it's like a big, it's like a big steak. You know, you cook the steak with a lot of fat on it because it helps juice the steak and, you know, flavor to the steak and all that. But you cut the fat off and now you got the meat. And, and, and a lot of the Patriot arguments and myths out there is like an overfat steak. You know, it got too much fat on it. And what Dave does is narrow it down to just the pure prime meat. And and he, and he doesn't argue, you know, uh, the all caps name, the gold fringe flag, and the uh, it's all in admiralty and and all that stuff. And what, and what, as well, which is true. Which most of that is true. But it's yes. not going to win you the argument. That's right, because because they're not going to come and say, you know, hey, you're the all caps name, and we're coming to collect a tax on you, or you know, or, the, or and and because of uh, and this is my belief, I, I, uh, it could be rebutted, I guess, is that since they made uh, the civil crime all one process, you know, whether it be admiralty or whether it be common law or whether it be civil, it's it's all under one. Um, uh, thing and it's and it's based on how you write your pleadings right. determines if it's in equity or admiralty or or statutory or common law. So you got to uh, and this is stuff you really got to know. And I don't know all this stuff, but this is what I do know: is that when I took on David's complaint, I read it not knowing if I was going to get subpoenaed or, you know, or criminally indicted at the time, I knew somewhere along the lines is probably coming. And, um, and, um, and I didn't lay, I didn't waste a day learning everything I could learn on a position, what I was going to take. Now there's a lot of groups out there that have a lot of different avenues of different things to fight. And one of the most renowned, uh, publicized uh, websites is um, SM oh, uh, SD, yeah. uh, SEDM or whatever right, it is. Right. 
and it is it is a library. I mean, I I would recommend everybody to go there and sign up or do whatever and get all the information out there. But what you got to be careful is you get overwhelmed with all this information and you got too much of this information when they come at you. Which weapon are you going to choose? And you got to be smart enough to know what they're coming you after with to use your defense or posture to go back at them. Because if you're if they're coming after you for one thing and you're using the all caps name, which is totally irrelevant to the argument, you're going to lose. And um, so you got to you get that website, by the way, is SEDM Sovereignty Education and Defense Ministry. And it, right. it's mind blowing how much information they have. Yeah. And uh, so, uh, and I, I mean, I visit it frequently anyhow to, 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 to do my research if, I, if I'm doing any research because I might as well go to there because the, the, the group has really got it together. But on, but on the other hand, uh, like I said, you want to narrow your, your focus down. So I was reading David, uh, David Maryland's complaint, and he has in there a 58-page memorandum of law, which is awesome. I call it my second Bible because I read it on, on almost, not so much today, but back then and over years going, uh, foregoing, I, I would read it almost on a daily basis. And at the time, now, I joined in May, and I'm a slow learner. I mean, I got to read it over and over and question it. And I question it 50 different ways because I really got to understand from the bottom up. I got to know the elements of every word and every, and every possible argument against it so I can properly defend myself if I have to. And so in one of those first issues was Title IV, Section 72. And and for those who do not know what Title IV Section seventy two is, it's it's a excuse me it's all uh, all hold on just a all second right. here. All right, well, well while you, while you go in there, Chris, um, I just want to say you know people are probably reacting right now, going like, oh my gosh, this guy has put thousands of hours into this. I just want to get a quick fix and live my life and, you know, well, your liberty is at stake. I mean, when you're dealing with the IRS, I would take this to heart and uh, leaving this to professionals is not what you want to do. And I remember uh, Russ Wakefield, though, last week said the reason he signed on to the complaint, to Dave's complaint, was his insurance. He, he thought of it as an insurance policy. So that's well, that's, well, that's true because I raised... I, what, what, I'm, what I'm going to be leading up to is how this all this will benefit by joining this complaint, and um, and the um, so what Title Four Section Seventy Two is all offices attached to the seat of the government shall be exercised in the District of Columbia and not elsewhere except as otherwise expressly provided by law. Now, keep in mind, Congress do not put extra words in there to make it a longer paragraph. 
every word has to be scrutinized. That's right. And every every word has to have a clear intent and definition. So what what isn't clear? What part of uh, Agent Solar do you do not understand on key, some key words here? All offices in the District of Columbia and not elsewhere. Now, is there any part of that you don't understand? In addition to, except as otherwise expressly provided by law. Now, expressly is clear. And so the first, the first argument a DOJ or agent would say is, oh, you're trying to say we can't leave the District of Columbia. We're only attached to the District of Columbia. We can't leave it. Absolutely not. You can go to hell as far as I'm concerned. But <laughs> that, the, but the, they, they might have jurisdiction over hell. <laughs> yeah. But but the thing of it is, it, you know, where is the express law that you can speak to me in Florida? That's what I want to know. Now, if you look up Title 48 um, and, and you go through Title 48, you see where Congress expressly written for the tax code to be applied into the Virgin Islands and Guam and, and America Samoa. There's no question. It's expressly written. But nowhere does it expressly say the freely compacted states. And uh, so, you know, and this is the argument that I choose to use as my leader. And then as, as David discussed in his call last week, I'm not named by statutes. If you look up, you know, in, in the tax code under uh, Title One, it only says individual. Well, what is or who is an individual? Is it a guy from Puerto Rico or is it a guy from Virgin Islands, being that, that the tax laws are enforced pursuant to Title 48, Section 1801? Who is the individual? Well, let's look in the code. You go to chapter two. Now, I'm not going to repeat David's arguments, but because David is much, much better than I am at doing it. I know. That but photographic if, memory really gives him an edge, doesn't it? Oh, absolutely. <laughs> but, it, but if you go to Title Two, Section 1402B, Parent 2, it says... Who is a citizen of, of of the United States, and it's not a guy from one of the fifty states. It's a guy from Puerto Rico. Well, that ain't me. And then if you go to Chapter Twenty One under Section Thirty One Twenty One E, it says the same, basically the same thing, as well as in Section Thirty Three O Six J. So, if it doesn't, you know, if it doesn't name me, I'm not named by statutes. And the biggest, one of the biggest problems in in the uh, with the American people today and the patriot groups is that they want to argue the Sixteenth Amendment is not uh, was never properly ratified, although it's true, but it's a frivolous argument today. It doesn't matter. It's been there too long. Yeah, you know, and, when you're talking about this, Chris, I'm I'm thinking a little bit about the Buck Act and how. The, the, what that's done, but go on. We'll talk. Maybe we'll have time to talk about it, that at the end. Yeah. So the uh, so what happens is that 
they uh, they they want to argue that. But what I what what David argued, and I follow his footsteps, because you know if you see a line a minefield, yeah. and you walk through the field, and you made it to the other side. Do you want to follow his footsteps or my footsteps, or do you want to follow, make, make your own with all the other body parts all over the no, place? No, I'm, I'm a firm believer from learning from other people's mistakes and other people's, you know, victories. So. Yeah. So the um, so um, so the Sixteenth Amendment, when when the Congress has the power to lay and collect taxes, Congress can make laws. The legislative, that's what the legislative branch does. And the the executive branch, such as the president, such as the secretary, such as the Internal Revenue Service, the Internal Revenue, they are to enforce the laws, to execute the laws that Congress made. So the question is, am I the same citizen in the regulation CFR point one de- one point one dash one, the same citizen is in thirty three oh six J twenty one uh thirty one twenty one E and fourteen oh two B. And because the secretary can't name me subject to a tax, well Congress has failed to do so. Right. And, and so and you know we're saying anything that goes against the, the constitution that's not in the constitution, anything to do against is that that's fraud and vitiates the contract or how we'd like to say that, that it's not lawful. Right. Well, it, it, you know, it, you know, like, like for instance, to get off point for a second in, in Florida, administrative agency, the death, you know, in, in the um, statutes, it defines administrative agency. And when I found this, I was flawed. The Department of Highway Safety and Motor Vehicles is an administrative agency. An administrative agency is defined as the governor exercising powers other than those derived from the Constitution. Yeah. That's powerful. That's very powerful. And, you know, the person person that uh, got the Administrative Act passed is with someone named Pat McCarran from here in, in Nevada, and they they liked that um, that bunch of malarkey so well they named an airport after him. Huh. But the uh, but the point is is that if the governor if if the governor decided that he wanted to o- open Florida Florida ice cream shops all over Florida under administrative agency. Would he require us to have a license to get an ice cream cone? Yep. So don't I have a right to travel? And he's in competition with me on my right to travel, and he's going to try to extort me to get a driver's license? Yeah. Well, that's how it goes. Yeah. So that's how it goes. So what is administrative agency in the federal? Isn't that uh, the Treasury, the um uh, the IRS, the Internal Revenue, their administrative agencies. Sure, they're, the FDA, they're all, the alphabet agencies. Yeah, they only deal in commerce, right. basically. But again, David doesn't get into those arguments. Yep. He, he, he's, <coughs> he's laser-light focused. And, and with that, 
you stay on the argument that the IRS can't shift you to another avenue and you don't let them shift anywhere, you say, well, we can't go to second base until you answer first base. So when so I learned about Title Four, Section 72, about I'm not named in the statutes. Then the third argument was Section 83, which now now is my favorite. It took it took me quite a while to learn it, and um, and really get a grasp on it. And now I'm sold on it because I know the other two arguments, and now I'm really getting a handle on this argument. And I could be Joe Federal. I could be a federal employee waving a federal paycheck, dancing to the bank, just waiting to cash this federal paycheck, and still not owe a tax. Wow, that's exciting. I have I have a friend that works for the feds. He'd love to hear this. Yeah. Well, Section 83... Is, is where you go first to determine if you made any gross income. Because what you did is you sold your labor at a cost. And, and income is defined as, as anything excess over the cost. Right, the profit that you made. Yeah, the profit. Mm-hmm. And, of course, the IRS will say, well, you didn't pay anything for your profit, so, so you... Um, you don't, uh, you, you, everything, I mean, you didn't pay anything for your labor, so everything you make is a profit. Well, no, no. Where, you know, where's the statutory exclusion for that? There must be in a statute. And in Dave's book, in fact, I'd like to give out the website, uh, to Dave's website, where there's some books like the, the Code Breakers, Section 83, which really hammers this really good. It's about 90-some pages, and it goes through case law and Supreme Court law and everything that really, I mean, what Dave brings home, he backs it up with plenty of ammunition where they can't go anywhere. In fact, in, in federal court, the, the IRS was asked some questions, not specifically about Section 83, but was asked questions, and instead of answering it or trying to, you know, demur or anything like this, what they did is they asked the judge for a protective order. Yeah. Judge, please don't have us answer the questions. We can't answer it. And uh, and the judge gave it to them. I, I, yeah, that the, the corruption in the judiciary is just stunning these days absolutely yes, stunning. okay so uh, we want to let everybody know the website where they can access all this is we vgov.com we v like um versus gov gov.com and uh and that book that that chris is mentioning is available there code breaker is available there uh it just goes through if you have any dealings with the irs and you have any interest in this, go through that website with a fine-tooth comb. You will find it rewarding. Get the book and get the flash drive. There's a a great flash drive with tons of stuff on it, too. Yeah, I'm telling you, it's an educational, it's an education you will not regret. And and when you purchase it, you put in barbecue, right? Oh, yeah, 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 that's us. And they get a 10% discount. Yeah, you get a 10% discount, okay? 
and and then an additional 10% will go back to barbecue to help support them. So, um, so put in BBQ in the coupon. Cool. Right. Well, thanks, guys. And um, but but you know, now Chris, I've got to tell you, I know people are thinking, oh my gosh. I mean, you're in the fight of your life with these people. We are not dealing with a with a with a nice government now. I mean, and people that think they're going that they're going to just shirk their responsibility here and let someone else do the thinking for them on this, or or, or follow after some guru that's you know not doing very well out there. Um, they, they, they're mistaken. I, I really think you have to know this stuff in your heart for yourself and know it down cold. I used to practice, you know, I, I'm, I'm a salesman by, by life. You know, I mean, um, I mean, everybody's a salesman. Nobody can tell me they're not a salesman. If they are, if they are, they're trying to sell me something, you know, they're, they're trying to sell me. They're not a salesman, but, I I used to go to Zig Ziglar, Earl Nightingale, and all these uh, sales gurus and sure. learn how how to um, you know how how to have a conversation and questions. The one who asks the questions controls the conversation. You can you can have an all night conversation without making one statement and let the others do the talking. This is why court. You know, they they don't want you to lead the witness. They want you to ask questions to get the answers. Yeah, and, and of course, a, a good lawyer never asks a question that he doesn't know the answer to. Exactly. Yeah. And um, so the um, so I guess in the next hour we'll go through. Now I got summons, uh, subpoena to the grand jury, but this is. Um, uh, so what I learned was Title IV, Section 72, I'm not named by statutes, and Section 83, which is in very, which is most important to learn, I think, today, because if you argue jurisdiction from Title IV, sec- Section 72, you could win, you couldn't win, you may win, you may not win. But I was a blessed man by getting subpoenaed before the grand jury. I don't know why me. I mean, you know, everybody that I, that I heard of gets, you know, all, all of a sudden they get an indictment thrown at them or they get even get them sent to them in the mail. I mean, of all things, you know, Hey, it's a normal course of, of, of business. Here's an indictment. Come and come to court and defend yourself. And, and, um, so if you can hand, if you can set yourself up, before you even get criminally investigated, you get it on the public record. Why is why is having this criminal complaint important is what you're going to hear in the next hour. Because you're setting yourself up on the public record of your good faith belief that the law does not apply to you. A lot of these patriots, and I and I don't mean it. I, I know that sounds kind of condensating, and I don't mean it that way. I, you know, what else can I say? Right. But right. we're we're ready for the break now, Chris. Okay. With that thought. We'll be we'll be back real soon. Everyone, favorite car barbecue here. Stay tuned. <laughs> Well, 
Welcome back to Sacred Cow Barbecue, everybody. It's March 10th, and I have the pleasure of talking with Chris Chapman today. And he's talking about how we use Dave Merlin's material and uh, what's leading up, and he's leading us up to the to the grand jury. So, Chris, uh, we, were, we were talking before the break. So, um, take, go back to let's go back to what we were talking about. Okay. Well, now that you know, you got the history of what I did from you know the time I learned to. Uh, now we're at Christmas, and I get a knock on the door during the holidays between Thanksgiving and and Christmas. And who's knocking on the door? Is a, Agent Solver and another agent? And I said, well, "I'll be darned." Can I wish you said, best Christmas. Oh, of course, they 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 want <laughs> that. That's when they do all the holidays because these guys are evil. They don't believe in God. They don't. They don't have a. I don't even think they have a family. Who who would want to marry them? But anyhow, the uh, uh, he knocks on the door. I I go outside and uh, and I he says uh, I got a subpoena here for you to to uh, appear before the grand jury. And he gave it to me, and I'm looking at it, and I said, Wow! You mean I get to go in front of a grand jury? And I said it with such enthusiasm, I didn't mean to, you know, to... Uh, Your hand to him? Well, I mean, it was just, it was just awesome because, I, I mean, this is what I've been leading up to. And I knew one day, you know, it's gonna, I was going to have to go to court. I didn't think I was gonna, ever was going to go to a grand jury. But I knew going to a grand jury was far superior than going to court because... It, it's a relaxed, you know, uh, deal, and and you have more room, and uh, and so when I went in front of the, well, let's, uh, well, let's explain a little bit more what what a grand jury does for someone that's never had that opportunity. Well, that's what I'm saying. <clears throat> when when the grand jury where, where they decide whether they're going to indict you or not, they have to get a grand yeah. jury to go along with that. Right, they 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 have to vote. I, I guess in a quorum of, of you know percentage, and uh, uh, if if they're going to indict indict me or not, and and never having been in front of a grand jury, I really didn't know what to expect. So I had to do research on that while I was waiting to go. But excuse me, I got a cough. I'll be right back. All right. <laughs> hey, we're talking to uh, Chris Chapman, everybody here on uh, Saver Cow Barbecue. Revolution Radio, yeah. freedomslips.com. I just do a yeah, little station ID. Whenever you cough, it gives me a chance to the station ID. So that's really nice, Chris. Thanks. Okay. Well, I'll, I'll, I'll be, you'll be doing special IDs uh, more often. <laughs> Anyhow, the more I talk, the more I cough. Yeah. The, uh, so anyhow, the, uh, yeah, it, and um, I, I'll explain the grand jury in a second, but the, uh, so agent, you know, Solar gave it, gave it to me. He said, well, you know, you don't have to appear before the grand jury. You can come to my office. I said, oh, no, no, no. It says right here, I am to appear before the grand jury. Thank you. And um, shook, even shook his hand, and, and off he went. So the uh, so then I got a letter a couple of days from, from the lawyer saying that, oh, we understand you, you wanting to appear before the grand jury. And, and you know, uh, you know, you're giving up your Fifth Amendment, blah, blah, blah. You got to consult a lawyer. I didn't even bother responding to that. 
So then I get a second updated uh, subpoena that they wanted my um, uh, voice uh, print and everything. So I said, okay, because they listen to a lot of these calls. They know I'm on and, and other things. So they just want to show the grand jury how I interfere with revenue tactics and stuff like that. So the... Um, so this is in uh, December. In January, I, I appeared before the grand jury. I brought all my stuff. I brought Dave Maryland's criminal complaint. I brought my, uh, my joinder. I brought my, uh, you know, tablet of questions and ant- what I was going to talk to them about and everything. And before I went in, I met the DOJ. And he was like, you know, a guy you want to be like your, you know, your the grandfather of your kids. He was such, oh, God, he was so nice and so jolly. And he said, you know, he said to me, it, it, you know, it, it, we, we live in a great country where we have a great system where you can testify your own on your own behalf in front of a grand jury. And I just said something like how sweet it is. So. Then um, I went and for now I'm coming. He's thinking I'm coming in as a defendant. Yeah. And what he didn't know is I'm going to walk out as a plaintiff because when I walked in, I walked in into a room, probably, you know, I'm going to say 25 by 30 or something like that. It was kind of a square or rectangle room. It was, pretty big room and there was uh chairs sitting out there and a bunch of people and i don't i didn't count them but i would guesstimate there was somewhere in the vicinity of 18 people could be a little less a little bit more don't know and they were generally from all walks of life by or life by the way they dress um most of most of it was dressed in casual but up there in the older elderly age, and that you know, I didn't see any twenty-year-olds or or anything like that. And the uh, at least I don't remember. Now this was back in two thousand six. So then, I uh, he introduced me to the oh, and and I get in this chair, the witness chair, and to the left of me is a court reporter. To the right of me, just beyond my shoulder, probably around four o'clock or so, it was uh, the uh, foreman, a nice guy. Didn't know why he was there, but he was a nice guy. And, and hold on a second. Oh, Chris is taking a cough break, so uh, I'll tell you we're listener and volunteer supported. So run over to freedomflips.com and make a donation, sign up for the archives, buy some merchandise. I mean, Hawk has a tremendous seed package if you're if you're into gardening and we all should be. It's a little challenging here in uh, in, in Las Vegas. I've tried it and um, had some successes, but more failures <laughs> with the heat. So, Chrissy, are, are you alive? Yeah. Yet? Oh, good, you're yep. back. Yeah, I'm still alive. Okay. And, so, you, um, so you just met the foreman. Yeah, and uh, so uh, so they sat me down. They swore me in. And they said, "Okay, you want now? You want to test testify? So you got the floor. How much time do you need?" 
I said, can we, I don't know. He said, well, take all the time you need. I said, great, thank you. <laughs> so I, I get up, so I, I said, am I allowed to stand up a little bit? Because, you know, in presentations, it's hard doing sitting in a chair, you right, know. Right. And and they said, well, you can stand up a little bit if you like. I said, okay. So, but I sat down most of the time, but I'm looking at him and I'm, and I did a kind of like a little prayer. I said, "Give me the, you know, give me the knowledge and the strength." And here we go. Yeah. I looked up, and you know, some were smiling at me, and some were just, you know, you could see the anticipation of what I was going to say. And they weren't asking me any questions. See, now, so, you, so I am testifying. I am presenting all the facts, and I'm going to give them a bunch of evidence, which couldn't be any better than this. I mean, I mean, I'm telling you, I'm a blessed man, you know, for even having this. So I said, uh, you know, how many, and I raised my right hand, I said, how many here are you, uh, citizens of the United States? Well, they all raised their hands. I said, oh, this is great. I said, okay, so how many here are from Puerto Rico? And I put my hand down, they put their hands down. I'm a little confused here. How many here are citizens of the United States? So they all raise their hands again. I said, how many? Okay, so now keep your hands up if you're from Puerto Rico. And I and I looked like I was ready to count, but they all put their hands down. And I said, now you can see why I'm confused. Oh, that was and, I, and, and then I went right into I'm not named in the statutes. And when I said that, I said, I mean, I'm not looking where it's going to say Chris Chapman when I say I'm not named in the statutes. And I went through the formality of, you know, how, you know, what Section 1402B reads and, and so forth. And and then I said, now, Title Four, Section 72. And I said, am I allowed to pass out a hand, hands out? And they said, of course. I said, okay. So I passed out handout of of the itinerary that I was going over and uh, I wish I had it now I I have it someplace but I don't know where it is but a- anyhow I went through that and um, and then about after it, it took about an hour and 15 minutes I went through all the details and questions and answers and you know how I've been asking the IRS this and they refused to answer and all this now in the meantime the DOJ was sitting in the chair, look, looking like a, a happy guy. And when I looked over during the course of the meeting, he had his hand on his forehead and thinking, "Oh my God, why did I do this?" You know, <laughs> I mean, he had that kind of look on him. Back in. <laughs> yeah, and uh, but he couldn't stop me. See, you, you, he he doesn't have a right to stop me. And what what I didn't know then. What I believe now is that I could ask him to leave even the courtroom. You know, I mean, it wasn't courtroom, it, the the jury room. And uh, but I didn't know know that. But I'm kind of glad he stayed because uh, it it I, I think it worked for for the good. But, well, but let me let me understand why can you allow ask the DOJ to leave? Why would I? Yeah. No. Why could you? I I don't understand that. Oh, be because it's a grand jury investigation. Uh-huh. I'm I'm there testifying before the grand jury, not not before the DOJ. The grand jury is supposedly not to be a part of the court or 
for oh. the judicial system is supposed to be an independent body, investigation body. Oh, very good. You know, we have, yeah. we have, a, we have a friend here, um, uh, Daniel Smith, that, that they, um, he wanted to go to his own grand jury proceeding. They had several of them, and um, the, the prosecutor st- stood him up. Uh, never came for, never, never met him, never invited him. I mean, just absurd. But anyway, I'm, you're doing great here. You, you must yeah. be like ready to turn cartwheels in the, in the jury room at this point. Well, I was having fun. I was, <laughs> I'm now confident because I'm on a roll. Yeah. And, um, and so the, uh, so, you know, now that I'm all said and done, and because of lack of time, we only got one hour left, you know, and I could probably be go on for some time, but there's no need. But because if you read the complaint and 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 you join the complaint, you get all the information of what I'm talking about. So at at the end of of my presentation, I said, "Now, does anybody have any questions?" So. One old guy, you know, was always smiling. It was a kind of a, it was a kind of a gentle-looking guy, and and he was smiling, and he raised his hands, and he said, "Well, what questions would you have us ask the adversary?" And I looked down, and I said, "Oh my God, the lights turning on in this guy's house." Um, and I'm thinking, I said, uh, "I said, I tell you what, what if?" I write up admit or deny for you to give to the <laughs> DOJ. Oh, that's brilliant. And that DOJ shot up out of his chair. You can see the blood rush from his head. <laughs> and he said, you send those questions to uh, me or Solar. And I quickly responded. Uh, how did I respond? I said, uh, what assurance would I have that the grand jury would even see him? And his response was, "They will, they will see it if it is applicable." Oh my God! And I looked at the grand jury. I looked back at the foreman with my hands up like Alfred E. Newman, and said, "Really? <laughs> yeah. I mean, that's all. And that's all I said." Yeah, I mean, I, I wish now I would have just added, is this a grand jury investigation and you're, and you're saying on the, on the record that you're hampering the grand jury investigation by holding back evidence, you know, or something along those lines. But I think after he said it, he knew he screwed up. So, so with that being said, he said, now you, you know, now he's no longer like the guy you want to be your, the grandfather of your kids, you know, now, now, now he's, he's loaded and, and he's looking to shoot somebody. And he said, okay, you, you agree that if we allow you to testify, you would do the, uh, the exemplars. And for those people who do not know what exemplars are, that's uh, Latin for examples. They wanted my handwriting examples, uh, you know, so forth and so on. My voice, my. Uh, and, and why do they want those, Chris? Well, they they want to use it as evidence to to inform the grand jury to persuade the grand jury that I'm a criminal. 
they must have written documents or something. I don't know. I mean, huh. you know, I don't know what they would use it for other than, you know, try to show cause that I'm I'm a criminal of some type. So now, now he, here's the problem that I think tax cases run with juries and I don't know about grand juries, but I would think it applies because it's human a nature that they go, well, I got to pay my taxes. Why doesn't he have to pay his? And they're kind of, and sometimes the jury can be indignant and, and ignore what you're saying and, and go ahead and, you know, indict just because they're jealous. Yeah, but the way that I was teaching them, they were understanding the tax laws didn't apply to them either. Yeah. <laughs> it's not about I have to pay, why don't you pay? Right. It, it, it came to about... Why am I paying? Yeah, excellent. So you yeah. saw you saw the lights go on with the jury, huh? Yeah, I mean it's 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 sell. You know, this is. I think it's part of my sales training. If I can show you what you want and help you get it, do you want it? Yeah, exactly. You know, do you want to get it? So with that with that being said, the the. The uh, the DOJ says, well, now now I let you testify, and you agreed to do do the exemplars. Is that right? I said yes, but there's a question on the table for you. By what delegation of authority do you, or even this grand jury, to have even to speak to me? And he went livid. He says, he said, you you go out you go out and wait for me out in the room. And I said, well, don't you want to answer the question? <laughs> and, and and he's kind of like throwing me out of the room now. And so I went in the other room. I waited. Then he came in. And he says, he says, are you going to do the exemplars? I said, are you going to show me your delegation of authority? And he said, you know, we could have, I can have these two agents pick you up and bring you in front of a judge. And I said, you can. And and I knew he couldn't, you know. So he said, go home. I said, okay, so I went home. So then, then, then two weeks I later. I love stories, Chris. I do, I do, I do. I'm so glad you're here today. Yeah, so two weeks later, they called me back, and 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 I went into a room, and it looked, it looked like a funeral parlor. They were all, you know, in, like mourning. And I said, you know, in my cheerful voice, good morning, gentlemen and ma'am, because there was a lady there. And they said, you ready to do the exemplars? And I knew they knew my answer because they didn't look like they were ready to get up. Yeah. <laughs> and I said, uh, I said, yeah, you got the example. I mean, you got the uh, your delegation of authority? Go home. And I said, look, I traveled 35 miles or 70 miles one each, you know, both ways to do the exemplars. I want to do them. If you just show me your exemplars, I mean, your uh, your delegation of authority, I'd be glad to do it. Go home. I said, well, I guess you, you, you don't have any authority. I guess that's so then I walked out. So then uh, uh, a couple of weeks later, I get a, a, a motion and an order to show cause why I should not be held in, in contempt. And is and it stated that um, you know I was ordered to do the exemplars and uh, and I refused to do it and you know come in and show us why you're disobeying a court lawful order and I said well I'd be glad to do that so I went in and 
Now, I want to go back, digress, uh, what is the word, digress? Dig- sure, digress all you bit. like. Back yeah, as far dig- as you need to go to. Yeah, yeah. that uh, when I joined this joiner, I sent it to every DOJ that I knew, every agent that I knew, and I knew a lot of them, and because I named a lot of them as as complicit to the criminal activity. And I sent it to every judge in Orlando because that's the district. If I was to ever go to court, they would be notified that I I did a Title 18, Section 4. Well, uh, this had to be an expensive mailing. Well, it is, especially when it's certified mail. But, yeah. you know, I just love evidence and I love documentation and I love knowing that, you know, everybody's been well-informed and they can't weasel themselves out of it, regardless how hard they try. You got them over a barrel. Well, I, you know, you never know with criminals. You know, right. I yeah. might be the barrel they're having target practice one day, but but the thing of it is I got to do what I know best to do, and if there's something I could do better, I need to know about it. So... So with that being said, here now I go to a, a what's supposed to be a, um, a, uh, a hearing that is going to be, um, uh, uh, what do you call it, in, um, in order to show cause uh, to be uh, a hearing rule way, blah, blah, blah. It's um, in you know not incognito, but uh, behind the scenes, you know, it's not a public hearing, you know. Okay. Yeah, and um, so when uh, so when I went, they asked, you know, did you bring any witnesses? I said, well, well, this is a uh, closed hearing. I said, uh, as I got my wife and sister-in-law, and said, well, they can come in. Oh, thanks. So. They they didn't want the crowd that I brought before several years ago. I brought like you know fifteen twenty people into a hearing uh, to be a witness, and that's what they were trying to avoid. And, and so, and why did they want to avoid that? Well, because they don't want witnesses. Yeah, they they like to cockroaches like the dark. Yeah. Yeah, they, they 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 want to keep everything secret and oh, in camera is what I was trying to think. Yeah, so um, so now the judge is uh, you know the prosecutor gets up and tells the judge a lie that I refused and blah blah blah, and so then it was my time to to talk and uh, and and I said uh, the judge says, do you have any witnesses? And I said. Uh, I said, uh, no, I said, I thought this was an in-camera hearing, so I didn't bring any, but uh, can I call a Agent Solar on the witness stand? He said, sure. I said, good. So <laughs> then uh, I get him up, and uh, and I take out my my transcripts. My, You know, I got like a book of transcripts, and he knows, and I brought that to show that I got it transcribed so you can't lie, you know? And I said, Agent Solar, I said, um, I said, uh, you're a special agent. Uh, no, I said, Agent Solar, he said, special agent. I said, well, excuse me. I said, special agent. 
I said, what makes you special? And, um, and he said, well, I got training and blah, 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 and, you know, um, and so forth. I said, well, great. And I said, um, and I said, and, and, and you were assigned to investigate me. Is that true? And he goes, yes. And I said, um, uh, I said, do you remember our first meeting? And he goes, yes, I do. And I said, um, uh, can you explain what happened? And he said, well, I, I, uh, when we were, when we first met, you wasn't ready and I had to come back. I came back in about 15 minutes, uh, and we met out in your parking lot. And I said, yes. And, um, and I said, in your investigation, uh, you started asking me questions and what was my first question to you? And he said, well, you asked me if I had any delegation of authority. And I said, did you present one? He goes, no. And I said, well, and what was your answer? He said, well, I said, I have to go back in the office and and, uh, and look into it. And I said, and did you ever present me any delegation of authority for you to speak to me? And his answer was no. So I thought, well, that's pretty good. And uh, so then um, we went on and I started asking him, you know, questions I said by what by what uh, uh, the Constitution has two taxes direct taxes and indirect taxes and um, and as I'm walking back to take the transcripts back to get the code book or another document he says I don't know what a direct tax is and I spun around, almost tripped over my own feet because I didn't expect that to be an answer. <laughs> I ran. I kind of walked back to him. I said, "You don't know what a a direct tax is." And he says, uh, "No." And I said, uh, "You're an agent of the IRS." And then I mean, a agent, no less. <laughs> yeah. And then a uh, objection started coming up all over the courtroom. Even the judge ob- objected, and uh, and I said, "Well, he's a special agent. I figured he knew everything about tax law. I, you know, uh, I didn't know." I said, uh, "And so we'll move on to your next question." I said, "Okay." I said, "Okay." So it's not a direct tax because obviously you don't know what a direct tax is. Because if you did, you, you, you would know. I said, so it must be an excise tax. And I go to start asking questions about that. And he said, no, it's not an excise tax. And I said, okay, it's not a direct tax. And it's not an excise tax. May I ask you, what tax is it then? And he says, personal income tax. And I said, personal income tax. Where do you find that in the code? Objection. Yeah, everybody starts objecting. Yeah, well, what are they objecting to? That's a legitimate question. Well, yeah, but see, then I'm getting too close to the truth. Yeah. See? And uh, so, the the if I remember correctly, the objection was that, you know, he's uh, he's investigating and uh, for income tax evasion and uh, blah, blah, blah. And I said, yeah, but... <clears throat> Well, how, you know, how can he know you're evading something if he can't describe what it is? Yeah. Well, then, and so they didn't let me go there and everything. 
And there was a few other questions I asked. I forget what they are now, but I think I made my point, and I made my point clear to the court that, you know, in court, this guy is not going to last too long. And uh, so he went down and said, is there any other witnesses? I said, no, I pretty ran out of them. I pretty much ran out of them for the day. But but what I didn't know then, but I know, I think I know now, and I'm not, I'm pretty sure, that I could have had that DOJ on the witness stand. Oh, wow. Because this is a grand jury investigation. And so, uh, but I didn't have that, uh, I didn't know that at the time. And um, so I didn't try. So the judge said, you know, Mr. Chapman, now this is a, a judge named Fawcett, who is tagged to be one of the meanest, most corrupt judges in Central Florida. Corrupt judge, isn't that a... Yeah, and uh, and she uh, and she made a point to tell me how unbiased she is by saying many people have come into my court, including uh, two names that she named, knowing she knew that I knew them, and they are and they are in prison. And, you know, I mean, if that's not bias, I don't know what is. And how would she even know that I knew him if she wasn't biased? And then what Dave brought out in a conversation the other day was was clear as a bell, and I'll bring that out in a minute, was, uh, and she threatened me, you know, to get a lawyer and, you know, get my act together or, you know, I'm going to be following these guys to prison. She says she's not going to take any of this blah, 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 and, you know, and all this intimidation. I just sat there and listened to her. And then I look, and then she, then it was my turn to respond. And I said, Judge, on two different occasions, I sent you a copy of the criminal complaint under Title 18, Section 4, Misprison of a Felony, to Congress. And you seem to ignore that, but come complicit to their, and I pointed over my shoulder to the criminals, to their criminal activity. And she sat up like I threw ice water on her. And she looked at her computer and she said, you can handle that in June. Now, we haven't even finished the grand jury in, in investigation on me yet. We haven't. Fi- the grand jury hasn't determined if, I, if if there's probable cause yet or not. And she's already got me scheduled in June, and here we are in February. And so, and so, what's the jury? What's the grand jury? What's the energy coming from them at this point with the judge and well, well, they're not there. The oh, grand jury is not, not oh, there. Oh, they're not uh-uh. there. Okay, they're okay. Got it. Yeah. Yeah. And so so she's she's spun around and said, you will do the exemplars and you will do them tomorrow. And I said, under fear, under under threat and fear, under threat and duress and fear of going to jail. What else would you have me do, judge? And it was like bailiffs coming out of the woodwork. I mean, you know, they like they just like popped up, you know, like, hey, how you doing? And um, and I said, you know, uh, sure, under threat and fear, under threat and duress and fear of going to jail, I'll be here tomorrow. 
So, but what I need, though, in writing, the order. Because judges can't blot out an order and be free. She's got to write it out in verbiage. So she faxed it to me that night. Now, here's the interesting part. I was there on February 13th on the at 11 o'clock or 10 o'clock a.m. on February 13 at 11 at 10 o'clock a.m. in Orlando courtroom the order was written at 5 something a.m. that morning time stamped time stamped that order it's like she she went into her office and at, at 2 o'clock in the morning, looked at a crystal ball and says, okay, Chris Chapman's going to come in. He's going to say this, this, and this. And I'm going to say this and this and this. And I'm going to, so based on this, I'm going to write this order. She wrote the order, timestamped it, and put it into the record at 5 o'clock in the morning. And well, like you, you, were four, keeping, you were keeping her up. You were disturbing her sleep. Well, the the point is, I was there, what, one, two, three, four hours before the hearing, and she already had the order written? I don't think so. So what do you think happened? I don't know. You know, my friend said that was, you know, that was an, uh, uh, you know, time clocks don't make mistakes. Yeah, that's why you have date stamps on things. Yeah, and um, the um, and so he says that you know that that's your uh, uh, map to get out, you know, and so and I use that too. But the order says I did not contest that I was a U.S. person. I did not argue that you know uh, certain things. And under Title Four, Section Seventy Two. It was obvious she didn't read my brief because her contentions was already rebutted in my brief. So she couldn't even bring it up the way she brought it up if she read it. Right. So with that, on my way to do the exemplars, I gave her my declaration of domicile that's been on the public record for about four years before this ever happened showing that I am not a U.S. person or a U.S. citizen as described by code. And, <coughs> excuse me, and, and also the, telling her that obviously you didn't read my brief. And, and so I went up to do the exemplars. Now, when I sat there and did the exemplars, they give me, you know, uh, checks and they tell me what to write in them, like a hundred dollars and so forth. Print, you know, print this one, write this one, and do this and that. And and be, and then they want you to sign it at the bottom of the page, and you know, and that's to authenticate that you filled this out. So I wrote, under threat, duress, and fear of going to jail, I signed and I signed it. Well, the first one I did that, the agent says, you can't do that. And I said, like, hell, I can't. And he said, do you want to go in front of the judge? I said, yeah, can we? Let's go. And I get up and start packing. (laughs) He said, wait a minute. And he goes outside, he talks to the DOJ, he comes back in and says, all right, you can do it. 
And so I did that on every document. Then they give me a book to read about a Muslim cab driver who won't allow, you know, booze in his car. And so he throws the passenger out. Excuse me, I got a cough. Yep. Okay, everybody, we're talking to Chris Chapman here from um, wevgov.com. Uh, he's um, t telling us how he used Dave Merlin's arguments here before a grand jury and then this hearing of the judge. And this is very juicy. This is uh, juicy on how just how corrupt the DOJ and the judicial system is. So then, so then um, I, I opened the book and I started reading. And I said, okay, I'm starting to read under threat, duress, and fear of going to jail. And I go through a, a paragraph at the end of the paragraph, as I continue under threat, duress, and fear of going to jail, and then when I was finished it, I said, okay, under threat, duress, and fear of going to jail, I am now finished with the exemplar that I was compelled to do. So, and I gave that. And then they took my picture, and there wasn't much I could do about that, and my fingerprints. And uh, then they they blocked the door from me leaving. And they and the DOJ coming back with his grandfather likeness again. He yeah. said, "You know," <laughs> he says, "I know you listen to Larry B. Kraft and uh, oh, he mentioned and, Larry by name. Huh. Yeah, and uh, the Tennessee uh, the Tennessee case and everything. He says those Tennesseans just don't like the federal government." And I said, "And you think it's different here?" And he, oh, <laughs> he said, "Look, you know." He said, you, you heard that judge. That judge ain't going to mess around with you. And he said, you might want to sit on the bench here with Solar and make out a deal because, you know, going getting you criminally is one thing, but civilly, they're, they're just going to wipe you out. You'll never own anything as long as you live and blah, blah, blah. And I, and I just let him talk. I didn't argue with him because yeah. arguments are for fools. Yeah. You can't argue with a fool. And um, so when he was done, I lest just you said, do, I, they "My, my, tell you apart." I beg your pardon. Lest, lest you argue with a fool and people can't, bystanders can't tell you apart. Yeah, and so, so I, you know, so after he was done, I just said, "My God is bigger than your God," and I walked out. And I haven't heard from the grand jury since two two thousand seven. Wow, that was just their last gambit to get you to take a deal. They knew they didn't have anything. Yeah, and, and this is why it's important that when people see, you know, a good faith belief, you know, that the law doesn't apply to you is a very strong defense, defense especially when you use Dave Maryland's criminal complaint and have it on the record, gives you the conclusions of law, and you're not asking, show me the law, but here's the conclusions, and here are questions regarding the conclusions, and you've got to respond to them. And if you don't respond to them, then the conclusions are, 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 um, prevail. I mean, you know, the, the maximum of law, correct me if I'm wrong, is silence is acquiescence. Pretty much. And I mean, um, you know, especially in, in court, when you do a, uh, you know, uh, when you're asking questions and they don't respond, but if you do an admit or, de or deny, I like tacit procurations. I ask them questions and I answer the question and tell them 
to rebut it if not true, and, and with no rebuttal, it becomes a fact. And go all the way down and even sign their name to it under the authority. You know, I sign my name for the agent and, and say, here, you you know, I did it for you. Just rebut it if it's wrong. And if they don't respond to it, guess what? Yeah, but, you know, there's the, but as Dave says, there's no uh, factoring in corruption. No, there, no, there isn't. But you do the best you can do. You know, David, David has a one opinion that I, that I don't uh, agree with, and it doesn't make him wrong. It doesn't make me right or vice versa. It's just that we, we can agree to disagree. I think that, you know, he, he, he doesn't like to get into civil because, you know, they're so corrupt like they did with this protective order. I mean, he writes, I mean, this guy writes better than any lawyer or professor I've seen. And this guy is just a bartender, you know. I mean, he does an awesome job, and he expl- and he and he's very articulate, and he and and the guy is brilliant. I mean, he, he's beyond brilliant as far as uh, I mean. Here is a guy who never went to law school who can write better than any lawyer, and um, and he and he does it well. And this is why, and this is why, if you just target on the law. You know, don't don't say the statutes don't apply to me. That's that is so general. Okay. Oh, you can't come to me. The statutes don't apply to me. And they and they and there you are going to jail. Oh, they they don't follow the Constitution. You know, blah, blah, blah. No, I mean that's you did the wrong argument. You're going to jail, whether you, whether now, you I know like some, it or not. People have won uh, on those kinds of things. Different things. Different courts. But um, you, you want to go with something that's winning. You, well, you, said it, you want to it, walk through that minefield on a path that someone has taken safely to the other side. That's right. If, if they're coming after you with a particular law, and and you can show them that the law doesn't pertain to you, then you instead of saying the statutes don't apply to me, this statute doesn't apply to me. So this is why you want to ask the agent, if, if you don't start right off the bat by, you know, how, how did you, how did you determine using section 83 that I even owe an income tax? Excuse me. Yeah, that, that's great. And, and that's a great, and that's a great thing to start off with. You know, I but, think when, when, when Larry, uh, when Larry B. Kraft and Dave were talking, Dave said he originally used to start with something else. But um, and then when he started leading with 83A is when he start just they'd fall like you know dominant. Yeah, right. There's there's no argument because the the appellate courts have are are behind Dave. I mean this is where Dave got got his ammunition is from the appellate courts. So why use anything else? And and you could be like I say you could be uh, Joe Federal, okay, and be be as federal as federal as you can get, and 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 the thing to do is David talks you. Anybody's familiar with David talks you. His the ID number is five nine six one five five nine six one five, and you'll see a list of different calls, and one of them you'll see with B Craft and David, and B Craft didn't rebut or I mean it was a great call. 
And I've been working on this for years to get Beecraft and David together. Yeah, it, and it's, I finally it's a, it's a it. fabulous call. It, it really is. I, that's that's one of the first one first of Dave's things that I listen to. I've listened to a lot of his recordings now, seen a lot of his videos, and I I know Larry, and so I love that recording. I highly recommend that when you can take an, an a, a tax attorney of Larry's stature, and Dave can show him some things that he hasn't seen. I mean, you you really want to hear this? Yeah, and and then I have a website. My talk show is eight seven four eight eight, and I got a ton of calls on that with me and David, and um, and you know, it's good education, people. I mean, it's great education, and 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 let me make this clear: I'm not telling you not to pay taxes, and I'm not telling you to pay taxes. I'm just talking about what I found, what I did, and my experience. And and anybody that wishes to fight the IRS or get in, you know, get into a, a confrontation with them, you better know what you're doing. And until then, get into asset protection. And um, and, um, and and anybody that wants information about the asset protection. You can contact me by my email at AmericanLiberties.llc at gmail.com. Asset protection is the most, the most important thing that everybody should own because what you own, you may not own it tomorrow. AmericanLiberties.llc or just LLC? dot LLC American Liberties T I E S dot LLC at gmail dot com and it's also on the website at wevgov dot com. Okay, you know it's so it's so strange, um, Chris, because American and Liberties used to own, almost be synonymous words, and now they are diametrically opposed in this culture that we're yeah. living under. Yeah, and a lot of people have offered to buy my name, you know, the American Liberties, you know, and I wouldn't sell it for a million bucks because it's <laughs> my life. Right. Well, let's go on. So people want to get in touch with you, AmericanLiberties.llc at gmail.com. Uh, that's one way they can uh, they can tune in um, and just run over to TalkShoe.com and put in your, your, your show number, which is 87488, and they can listen to any of the archives there. Dave's, which is, I think his is no contest, is 59615. Yeah, no confidence. No, no confidence. confidence. That's right. New of CON something. So, okay, no confidence, 59615. And uh, Chris's uh, talk show channel is 87488 for archives. Mine is Sacred Cow Barbecue. I forget the number. I'm, I'm way after them. I'm like in, almost in the millions. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, right. So cool. Very good. That's uh, that's awesome. But okay, that and so have you heard from the grand jury again? No, no. It's been um, what eight eight years now. Wow, that 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 that's that's terrific. And is there a statute of limitations on that? They don't come back to well, a certain time. Well, I mean, they could always start a new cause. And um, I did hear back from the IRS just recently, um, last. In the end of 2013, they act like nothing ever happened. 
Oh, we didn't get a return back. We asked you for your returns back in 1999 through 2004, and we haven't received them. Boy, I, I sent them a ton of stuff. <laughs> what do you mean? The grand here's the, here's what I gave the grand jury. Here's what I gave the the federal judge and the DOJ. And what do you mean you didn't hear from me? <laughs> you wonder who sends these things out, Chris. That is a remarkable story. And I think the thing that stands out to it most for me is your lack of fear. And the reason you didn't have any fear is because you were armed with knowledge. Yeah. Well, it was. <coughs> oh, it, we're, uh, Chris is taking a cough break for us here. You're listening to Sacred Cow Barbecue on freedomslips.com. And uh, we're a listener and volunteer supported. So please make a donation at Freedom Slips. Sign up for the archives, you know, do whatever, support the station because we have this kind of great programming going on and um, it, it's, it's worthwhile to have this yeah. kind of information. So, Chris, are, are you going yeah. to live through the rest of the show? We only got yeah. a few minutes left here. <laughs> I'm making it. I'm making it. Okay, 20%, Chris, right on, Lord. Right on. Yeah. Listen, um, I want to invite you and I are going to have a conversation about something we're doing. If you know, I, I won't go into it here, but if someone's interested in something that you and I are participating in, they can send me an email at patriciacanhelp at gmail.com and I will send you out something about it and invite you to a call we're going to have on Thursday night. Uh, um, and so you can be invited to that. Maybe for you, may not be for you. You won't know until you send me an email. So patriciacanhelp at gmail.com. And, and Chris, you do something. We spend so much of our lives online. I used to think, what did I used to do when there wasn't an internet? Oh, I used to play more tennis. I used to read more, you know. But this, but you're 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 not totally safe online. And oh you no! Have, you have some technology, key, key logger technology. Do you you want to talk about that for a minute before we end? Yeah, the anti. I mean, key logging is the number one crime on the internet now, according to. Uh, Interpol and the FBI. And what key logging is, for those who do not know, is that key logging is a software that parents use to use to monitor their children to see who, who they're, uh, type, you know, emailing with and texting to and so forth. And now the criminals got it, and this is how they got into, uh, the bank accounts at uh, like Chase Bank and uh, Home Depot and Target. And, I know. I wish they'd stop doing that because I keep getting a new debit card all the time because of this. Yeah, they yeah, and uh, yep, yeah, I get a debit card now. I got my new debit, my third new debit card in 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 uh, in, in the last uh, eight months, and. Um, the bank, you know, because they keep getting compromised. And what anti-key logging software is, is we have a software where the only ones, we hold the patent around the globe. That is for cell phones. And cell phones, you're naked on the Wi-Fi. On a public Wi-Fi, anybody can put this malware on your phone. And don't think for a minute because you've got, you know, uh, antivirus and all this, you're protected. You're not. The virus companies have admitted there's nothing they can do about this malware of key logging. Because you know, I, I, I dealt with a detective from, uh, I think he was from Texas or Arizona. I was in Hawaii at the time. And he said identity theft wasn't a matter of if, it was when. And that was yep. that was 15 years ago. So your, your chance is now more. How can people find out more about this, Chris? 
by by going to my website, you can go to cyberwealth7.com forward slash Chappie, C-H-A-P-P-Y. And, uh, or email me at americanliberties.llc at gmail.com. But it's going to be like, you know, there was a time when when you didn't know what a virus was and, you know, you didn't need antivirus software. Now, every computer around the world has virus software. And, and today, we're on the road to getting all the computers around the world to have this anti-keylogging software. It's called Guarded ID. And, um, and it's a phenomenal business. And, um, and, of course, we're always looking for help. So uh, it's a great home-based business. And for people who don't like the, even hearing the sound of home, home-based business, well, try leaving your home and go get a job. Yeah. Well, you know, home it ain't going to happen. Well, home-based business is, is what Dave Merlin recommended for people um, that are still playing the tax game and stuff because they get to write off so much of their, their home and stuff like that. He made a strong recommendation for them. So. Absolutely. Hey, all right. Hey, darn it, we're out of time. I can't believe this flew by, Chris. Thank you so much. I appreciate your time today. Fabulous story. And uh, hopefully we'll um, we'll be motivating people to be knowledgeable like like you and Dave are. Well, thank you for having me, and and God bless America. Amen to that. Thanks, thanks, Chris. With the Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandsLots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.